Good morning. Try that again. Good morning. My name is Steve McConnell. I'm one of the pastors here at Church of the Palms. It's so good to have you here. Third Sunday of Advent. We are making our way closer to Bethlehem, and it's good to have the chance to be together. And thank you for uh, obeying all those uh, safety precautions. It's one of the things that we insisted on when we decided to reopen our worship to maintain uh, our social distancing and to do the best we can, not the best we can, but to keep our masks over our nose and our face and our mouth so that we can uh, try to create a safe environment for everybody. And in the event that you should find out that you are tested positive for COVID, please let us know. Call one of the pastors. We will handle that with all confidence, but we will also want to make sure that we are in touch with the people that may have been in proximity with you uh, while you were here. So uh, we're doing all we can to take care of each other during this very crazy time. Uh, just a few announcements to keep in your mind. Uh, we are asking for uh, you to send us images of your family creches. I'm sure some of you have some creches in your home. Perhaps they go back generations and generations. If you would send us a picture of that, to ja Jackie Gomez, jgomez at churchofthepalms.org, and uh, we would be glad to receive those so that we can uh, show those in, uh, in some later services. Uh, Christmas flowers are still being uh, signed up for. If you would like to give some flowers in memory of or in honor of or in loving uh, Thanksgiving for, we would love for you to contribute to that by tomorrow, Monday, this December the 14th. You can find that on our website. The music of Advent, we are looking forward to Handel's Messiah this Wednesday evening at 6.30 on Zoom. You can register on the website but it will be a chance for us to reflect upon that great piece of music, Handel's Messiah, and Genevieve will be leading us. I will be providing some assistance as well, but you'll want to join us this Wednesday evening at 6.30. We still need some bell ringers for our public station over at Beneva and Bee Ridge, uh, a chance for you to sort of ring in the joy uh, for those that are on their way in and out of that store. It's a way to support the Salvation Army, one of our mission partners. Uh, you can still sign up. We have about a dozen slots left, and you can do so anytime between now and Christmas Eve. Uh, but we'd love to have you take one of two hour slots that are available. We uh, are looking forward to the week ahead, and not just this week, but the following week, which is, of course, Christmas week and all those days that uh, help us to make our journey to Bethlehem. On Monday, December the 21st, we will have our longest night service right here in the Campus Center. Many of you know about this tradition. It is a chance for us on the longest night of the year to be reflective and to be meditative as we wonder about uh, making our way through, for many people, a very, very difficult time, especially those who have lost loved ones recently. So uh, come and join us for that again here, December the 21st at 6 p.m. And then on the 23rd, December the 23rd, we will have our beach service on Siesta Key. Come and join us for that. It will be an opportunity to uh, sing Christmas carols, though we'll ask you to wear masks at the same time, and uh, just be outside and enjoy the beautiful beach and to uh, bring in this Messiah that we all are expecting. And then on the 24th, Christmas Eve, we'll be back here on campus. We'll have a 3 p.m. service in the sanctuary. that will be a masked, social, socially distanced, no singing service where we'll uh, just be meditating upon the great message of Christmas. And then at 5, 7, and 9, we'll be out in the middle of the courtyard. We'll be outside and we'll be, hopefully, the wind will allow us to light candles and we'll sing. Mass required, of 
course, and social distancing expected. So uh, come join us for that at 5, 7, and 9 this coming Christmas Eve. And our communications team has been uh, wandering around and asking certain people about their traditions, certain families about their traditions, their Christmas traditions, and they had the chance to sit with our very own Bill and Dottie Tile, uh, who, if you've not been to their house, have this amazing display for Christmas that uh, we want to give you a chance to take a look at. I'm Dottie Tile, and this is my wonderful husband of Bill 55 Tile, years, Bill Tile. <laughs> Well, we started collecting um, 44 years ago when we were back up in a suburb of Chicago in Western Springs. And we had seen the original piece at a, there was a big floral shop that carried all sorts of Christmas decorations. And the church looked exactly like the church that we attended. We already knew we were gonna be heading eventually to Florida. So we bought it. That We said that's always going to have a lot of meaning for us. And we didn't know at the time that it is the original church by Bachman, which is prior to the Snow Village, before there were any Snow Village pieces. Bachman's own company has no record of that church even being made. Well, of course, you can't just have one. <laughs> They always have some meaning for us. You know, one of the first uh, pieces we bought was the house that was right across the street from the church because it reminded us so much of the village that we came from. Now we have 84 of the large houses. So it, it takes about, what, three weeks to get it up. This is the mastermind of the electrical part of it. I'm the designer. <laughs> Because it never goes up the same. It's different every year. Totally different every year. So it's been really, really important to um, our children. They had to bring all their friends over to see it too. And now our two sons bring in their families to see it too. It's been a tradition in the neighborhood where our neighbors are bringing their grandchildren, you know, to see because they remember it when they were growing up and now we got grandchildren coming. It's so cute, they all come dressed in their Christmas dresses and have their pictures taken by the village. So it takes a lot of thought because it's always, it always has sort of like a story for the year, you know, what we're doing. It is the story of our life. And it sure is. Something like that at your home. So, um, but yeah, truly amazing. I'd like to invite Blake and Mackenzie to come forward to light the Advent light candle. I'm Blake Quigley, as previously mentioned. <laughs> I'm Mackenzie Quigley. Uh, when I look around, I see shadows of sadness, families in homeless shelters, people in prison, people who have become invisible and forgotten. When I look around, I see shadows of grief and loss, people dreading the holidays because they've lost a loved one, because they were recently divorced, because they don't want to spend another Christmas alone. In the face of sadness, we light a candle of joy.
In the face of grief, in the face of loss, we light a candle of joy. May the light from this candle overwhelm the world. May the light from this candle say to all that God's joy is coming on earth as it already is in heaven. Brothers and sisters in Christ, be not afraid. God's joy is at hand. As we stand to worship God, let us light the Christ candles on our tables. Me, my drum. 
Cause I know that you love me Your love never fails I think now's the time, if any of the kids would like to go with Miss Carol over there, she will take them off to their wonderful program. All right. Anybody under the age of 50 can go with Carol. Uh, no, I'm only kidding. All right. Well, we have the, the giving options up on the screen. We are taking our offering, of course, in a different way during this COVID season. Normally, we give you baskets to put them in, but we do have some baskets out on the tables on the way out, but also many of you are choosing to give by tech or to give by automatic bank withdrawal or mail a check. So we are grateful for your contributions that way, and hopefully, uh, as we make our way into the end of this year, we will be able to... Uh, have the resources that are necessary, especially as we make our way into 2021. So now's the time for uh, some prayer and a time to share our concerns, our joys, our praises before God as we come to God in prayer. We have uh, Ethan and Bill, our, our mic runners, and they will uh, make sure to get to you so you can speak into the mic. They'll be wiping the mics off after, they're, after you're done so you don't have to worry about a mic getting put in your face um, as you share your concerns. So any concerns, just raise your hand or any things you'd like to pray about. Lori has one. So I heard from uh, Marion... Okay, so I heard from Marion Deary that Mighty Millie, the little three-year-old that we've been praying for, um, that they got some really bad news, and she's not responding to the treatment, and so they're sort of regrouping about anything that might be experimental, and so please keep that Mighty Millie and her family in your prayers. They were hoping that maybe she had sort of beat that battle, but it seems perhaps not. So we need a miracle. Mm. Okay. Other concerns? Joys, yes, Sue. Okay. You said Rita? Okay, Ashley, okay. Any other concerns? Do we have a mic that works? I have a, a praise, actually. My sister Jennifer is a breast cancer survivor, and she just had two biopsies. Both came back negative. Yay, good news. Very, very Thank pleased. You. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's bring all these before the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we 
we know that we can come to you in prayer, and yet we confess to you, O oh God, that sometimes we wonder about prayer, and we wonder about whether you're listening to us. Sometimes we wonder about whether um, you respond to us. We know, O oh Lord, that um, we believe, but we know that we need help from you with our unbelief. So we confess that to you today, O oh God, and yet, nevertheless, here we are, and we're praying to you for all those concerns that we've heard this day and those that are laying heavy within our hearts. We pray that you will be with those that we know who are struggling with illness, those who have received very bad news, those who are finding this season to be a really difficult one to make, make their way through. And Lord, we confess to you that this season for all of us has been a struggle. And we know, O oh Lord, that um, there are pieces of good news on the horizon, and we have hope and belief that we will make our way through this time, not only through things like vaccines, but we will make our way through this time just knowing that you are present. So we ask, O oh Lord, that you will help us to find those rays of light and those rays of hope in our midst that we will make our way, even in the midst of the bad news and all the statistics, to know and to believe that you are the one who walks with us and that you will be here to comfort your people. We rejoice with those who rejoice and give thanks for those who receive good news. And we thank you, O oh Lord, that we get to be the means by which your light reflects in the world, that others may, through what we do and what we say, find the one who has come, the light of the world in Jesus Christ. All this we pray in his name as we pray the prayer he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I'd like to invite the Reverend Jordan Goodwin to come forward to read our scripture lesson. Good morning. I'm glad to be here today. My name is Jordan. I am Lori's oldest daughter. And I am working on my social work PhD at Rutgers in New Jersey, and I'm also a chaplain at, in Trenton. So glad to be here. Our scripture passage comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. 
But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we are safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Joe. Good to have you home. And Hallie just got back, and my little Sophie turns 21 today, and she has two more tests at UF, so hopefully she'll make it back if she can get a good COVID test. Hmm. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds to the word just read and the words to come that, like John the Baptist, they might point to the word made flesh, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So my husband and I recently binge-watched The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. I'm not sure if you've seen it, and I won't spoil it, but it's a great story of a young girl named Beth who is sent to an all-girls orphanage after her mother died. She completes her math homework with such speed and accuracy that her teacher often sends her into the basement to clean the erasers. In this creepy basement where you expect horrible things to happen, she meets one of the janitors, Mr. Scheibel, who is sitting by himself at a chessboard playing against himself. Eventually, he teaches Beth how to play chess, and it turns out she's quite a prodigy. I don't know a lot about chess. My brother taught me how to play when we were just kids. My brother is very smart, a strategic thinker, and he's four years older than I am. He, too, is competitive, which means that I was always annihilated. My response to losing a game, especially when I thought I had a slim chance of actually winning for once, was to take the board and flip it up in the air, sending all those knights and bishops and pawns throughout the room. This, however, is a story better suited for the fruit of the spirit self-control, which we will get to in May. But this month and today, we are talking about patience. In chess, you have to have a lot of patience. Who here plays chess? Couple, wow. 
it takes a lot of patience for yourself because it's hard and as you wait for your opponent to take their turn. After we would make a play, we would just call out, it's your move. But I learned on the Queen's Gambit that for tournaments and serious play, there's a game clock with two faces on it. Maybe you've seen them, but after you make your play, you press the button and your opponent's time starts and they have to finish their move and ultimately finish the game before they run out of time. Well, John the Baptist must not have thought that they had very much time because he impatiently shouted, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. I hate when people yell, except maybe at a football game. Rabanus reminded the ancient church that people speak loudly for three reasons, when others are distant, deaf, or angry. The human race struggles with all three. At the heart of John's message is one little six-letter word, repent. He has pushed the button on our clock and now it's up to us to respond before we run out of time. So I think it might be helpful to make sure that we understand what John the Baptist is telling us to do. For those of us who grew up in the church, we're familiar with this word, repent. We use it a lot during the season of Lent, but I don't hear it bantered around much at parties. Repentance means you are sorry for something, of course, but it must be backed by changed behavior. The essence of the word is turning around, starting over, and taking another direction. Think of a husband and a wife in a car, and the wife tells her husband to turn right at the next intersection, but by mistake, he turns left. He says to his wife, I'm sorry, love, I went the wrong way said no husband ever, but that's not the point. If that is all he does, sorry, it isn't enough. His saying sorry isn't going to get them any closer to where they want to be. It isn't even stopping them from getting farther away. To get where they want to be, he needs to stop the car, turn it around, and go back to the correct road that the wife told him to go on in the first place. That is repentance. I began to wonder why this one act was such a key component in preparing for the kingdom of heaven. In all four Gospels, John proclaims a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins in order to prepare for the one whom he's not even worthy enough to pick up and carry his sandals. You may have noticed that John also uses some strong judgment language in Matthew's gospel, separating chaff from wheat, chopping down dead trees, and throwing them all into the never-ending fire. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of those trees that gets chopped down and thrown into the fire for not bearing good fruit. So, in an effort to understand what Matthew might be trying to say to us today, I spent some time entering the story from each of the different characters' perspectives. Have you ever done that when you're reading the Bible? This is a spiritual practice that Anita Lustria and I have used in our small groups to engage with Scripture in a unique and powerful way. So first, 
It's kind of fun to imagine that we are John the Baptist, at least in his early days, if you know what I mean. But apart from Jesus Christ, John the Baptist is probably the most theologically significant figure in all of the Gospels. John became a bold, nonviolent mover, movement leader who dared to challenge the establishment of his day and to call people to a life of radical social and spiritual rethinking. He was like the first century Paul Revere. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming. To be John the Baptist, we see that clearly there is no dress code, so we are free from all of the pressure of fashion and style. He also gives us a wonderful example of humility and passion as he points only to Jesus Christ. It's never about him. He says in the Gospel of John, he, Jesus, must increase, I must decrease. Each of us must find our own voice as we try to prepare hearts and minds to receive Jesus. My experience and my personality is one that leads into actions being much louder and more authentic than words. But the word from John the Baptist was that God's judgment is imminent, so you need to repent now. It's like the man, Matt, who received a parrot as a gift. The parrot had a bad attitude and an even worse vocabulary. Every word out of that parrot's mouth was rude, obnoxious, and laced with profanity. Matt tried and tried to change the bird's attitude by consistently saying only polite words, by playing soft music, and trying anything he could think of to clean up that bird's language. Finally, Matt was fed up and he yelled at the parrot. And the parrot yelled back. And Matt shook the parrot, and the parrot got angrier and even more rude. In desperation, Matt grabbed the bird and put it in the freezer. For a few minutes, the parrot squawked and kicked and screamed, and then suddenly, there was total quiet, not a peep for over a minute. Fearing that he had hurt the parrot, Matt quickly opened the freezer door the parrot calmly stepped out onto Matt's outstretched arm and said, I believe I may have offended you with my rude language and actions. I'm sincerely remorseful for my inappropriate transgressions, and I fully intend to do everything I can to correct my rude and unforgivable behavior. Matt was stunned at the change in the bird's attitude. And as he was about to ask the parrot what had made such a dramatic change in his behavior, the bird continued, may I ask what the turkey did? I am not convinced that fear is effective for long-term change. True repentance comes from a changed heart from a relationship with Jesus, not from a motivation to avoid a certain fate. My favorite place to enter this story is to be one of the people who went out to the wilderness to see and hear John, to confess my sins, to repent and be baptized. Although John's message is strong, 
it does give me hope because I'm finally going to own my own junk. I'm going to give it up, get on the right path, and then be accepted and saved by the Messiah. Think about the patience these people had to have. It had been 400 years since they had heard from a prophet. They were curious about this preacher in the desert who was giving them a pathway to the Messiah. They were given a chance at life again. It's like the story of two brothers who were once convicted of stealing sheep. In accordance with the brutal punishment of the day, they were branded on the forehead with the letters ST, which stood for sheep thief. One of the brothers, unable to bear the stigma, tried to bury himself in a foreign land. But men would ask him about the letters on his brow and what they meant. So he wandered from land to land, full of bitterness, until he died and was left in a forgotten grave. But the other brother, who repented of his misdeed, he didn't go away from his home. He said to himself, I can't run away from the fact that I stole sheep. And here, here I will patiently remain until I win back the respect of my neighbors and myself. As the years passed by, he established a reputation for respectability and integrity. One day, a stranger in the town saw the old man with the letters ST branded on his forehead, and he asked a native what it signified. After thinking for a little time, the villager said, it all happened a great while ago, and I don't really remember the particulars, but I think the letters stand for saint. The opposite of saint, and the people I never want to hitch my wagon to are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They are so self-righteous. They use their position and power to exclude and hurt other people. They go out in the, into the wilderness to see what all the commotion is about, but they are way above this little country preacher. They don't think they need anything he is offering. They rest on their laurels of pedigree and education to remain above reproach, particularly in the Gospel of Matthew, John the Baptist does not hold back any punches for these religious leaders, you brood of snakes. And just as I start to get a little smug about this exchange, secretly cheering on John, yeah, you give it to him, the Holy Spirit tugs at my heart. Aren't I also the Pharisee who is sometimes full of pride and judgment? Am I producing good fruit all of the time, or do I too need to repent? Just like the Sadducee, I pretend I'm better than I am, hiding my sin, putting up a front, desperately in need of the saving grace of God through Jesus Christ, just like everyone else. Friends, if we don't see ourselves as these guys, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, we will miss half of the Gospel of Matthew. In 1 Corinthians 10:11, the Apostle Paul says to the Christians, those things happened to them and they were written down to instruct us. So the message for 
all of them, for all of us, is to confess our sin and to repent. It's sort of like shoveling out the barn and laying fresh straw so the Christ child can be born in us. When John the Baptist yells, get your life in order, the kingdom of heaven is near, it's time to turn towards God today and every day. Rabbi Eliezer taught his disciples, repent one day before your death. And one of them asked him, well, well, how will we know when the day is? To which he replied, all the more reason to repent today, lest you die tomorrow. Perhaps we, pre- re- perhaps we repent to do our part in being right with God, to cover us for that unforeseen accident or that unexpected death. However, I strongly believe that the grace of God will carry us and our families through the trauma of any unexpected death. I really believe that we repent of our sins so that we can experience the kingdom of God here on earth way before we ever get to heaven. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We repent because it empties us of the junk and makes room for the new thing that God is doing in our lives. John the Baptist shouts out into the wilderness, prepare the way, the Lord is coming. Maybe his message is so strong and loud because of the impact it can have on our lives. If our preparation consists of patience with ourselves and with each other, if it consists of prayer, humility, the courage to confess, And then that all-important desire to have our hearts beating in the same rhythm with God's heart. Can you imagine what our world would look like? When we are on the right path, we will find that what God loves, we love. And what breaks God's heart, breaks our hearts. As we repent and release the sin that takes up way too much space in our lives, our our hearts and our hands are open and have room then to receive the new thing that God has planned for us. I want to share with you a brief poem written by Jan Richardson. Ancient one who makes all things new, may we receive with gentleness and touch with hopefulness, and protect with fierceness, and love with tenderness. And may we celebrate with gratefulness, and welcome with humbleness, and tend with gracefulness all that you give into our care. John the Baptist impatiently says to you and to me, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Prepare the way of the Lord. It's your move. Let's pray. 
Gracious and loving God, we are trying to make room for you. We want to make room for you because the new things that you do in our life truly bring heaven on earth. Help us, Lord, when we get lost and when we stumble, help pick us up so that we can get right back on that path towards you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Shadow sing, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
Friends, my hope and my prayer for each one of us this week is that we all have the courage to confess and to truly repent so that we can make room for the new thing that God wants to do in us and through us. And now may the beauty of God be re- May the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And God's children said, Amen.